0: It sounds like we're drinking whiskey. Yeah. (laughs) But it's it's coffee.
1: (laughs) This is the Creative Voyage Podcast, a long-form interview show with the mission to help creative professionals level up. I'm your host, Mario de Picozuan. I'm a creative professional myself, active in the fields of graphic design, art direction, and creative consulting working with companies such as Kinfolk, Menu, and Sonos. Through season one of this podcast, I present in-depth interviews with some of the world's most inspiring creative professionals, revealing the stories that shape their lives and careers, plus actionable strategies to help you take your mindset and skills to the next level. I invite you to join me on this journey. In this episode, I talk to a graphic designer and creative director who is also a teacher and an artist.
0: Hi, my name is Eike. I'm uh, German-born. I grew up in Hanau, a small town next to Frankfurt. I run a studio named Hort. We are based in Berlin, and I'm here in Copenhagen to record this podcast about design and all the problems I had with it.
1: Studio Hort does art direction, branding, creative consulting, graphic design and illustration and works with institutions such as Arte, Bajos Dizao, Bergen Assembly, as well as brands like Adobe, IBM, Microsoft, Nike, The New York Times and Universal Music. As the quotation of an Amazon review on their about page claims, their work is original and amazing, with which I wholeheartedly agree. Besides running Hort, Eike is also a professor of illustration and graphic design at the HFG Offenbach and is active as an independent artist. I've discovered Eike's work very early in my design career and he always had a special spot in my landscape of individuals I admired in the creative industry, so I was thrilled to have this conversation with him. Eike arrived in Copenhagen on an unusually warm day in early June 2018. I've greeted him at the airport, from where we went to Kimfolk headquarters, who generously lent me one of their meeting rooms to record the interview. In this episode, we're going to listen to the highlights of that conversation. Please note that this episode is slightly longer than the previous ones, but I believe Ike shared many timely insights that I'm sure it will be worth your time. We cover topics such as his approach to teaching, challenges on his creative journey, advice to young professionals, his struggle with depression, and much more. In the world of seeming abundance, and in a market where most things are becoming commoditized, it's growing increasingly important to be self-aware and understand oneself. In that way, hopefully, we can uncover where we can provide the most significant value, both to our clients and culture in general, and overlap that with our unique strengths, inclinations, and even quirks. It seems to me that Aike is an excellent example of that, authentically navigating his life and career. So I started my conversation with him, discussing those topics. But I think I would like to start with almost like a standard question, but I think it relates to a lot of what you're talking about through your lectures, and that's about understanding yourself and kind of knowing who you are. So I'm curious, who the fuck is Ike Koning currently? <laughs> currently? <laughs> yeah, currently.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to describe yourself and uh, who are you, where do you come from, uh, what influenced you, which cultural background you have, uh, which context you grew up and stuff like that. That all created your biography and based on your cri- uh, biography, everything you're going to do will be based on that somehow, like decisions you're making or, or even the way you design is somehow connected to that part. That's why I used to say, okay, uh, it's good to figure out who you are because then probably you will understand why you do. Things that you're doing, and uh, it's just a help. I mean, you can also ignore that, and uh, (laughs) if you're not interested in who you are, then just
1: ignore that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you go about understanding yourself?
0: We we all go through that anyway. You know, like we get born and then we grow up and then we become teenagers and then we fight against our, I don't know, parents and stuff like that. So we have to figure out who we are in this society and uh, in high school. And in my case, um, I mean, I had a very strong father figure. or I had two figures, father figures. One was, yeah, my my father and he uh, was an architect and he was quite... uh, a tough personality uh, in case of what he taught like no decoration follow one idea you have to work hard you know like all these things that probably he had gone through and then on the other side I was uh, a professional gymnast uh, so I was training I was going to training every day and I did that from 3 to 17 or 16 I don't know and my trainer was somehow even more father figure because he spent much more time with me during the day but yeah for sure i mean at one point uh, when you struggle with yourself and, and figure out who you are and what your position is in society then uh, for sure one way is to rebel against uh, your father or in my case and say and I I think I gained a lot of energy out of that just to not I didn't want to be who my father was like you know, a very simple thing and I wanted to be more successful than my father it was, it was a driving engine uh, In so I couldn't do what my father was doing I, I didn't want to compare it directly like I didn't want to become an an architect so I had to figure out what I can do but it would be something creative I was sure about but during that time and especially in the beginning when I started to study graphic design I always got in a conflict like in a in a in a a situation where I didn't feel very well in an existing system like school I didn't really like university I felt like um, is not the right system I'm in right now they were teaching a lot about the history of graphic design And they were not so much focusing on contemporary design. And I was much more interested in contemporary movements and designers from that time. So I always got forced because of the system to think about what is my position? Like, uh, who am I? If I don't feel okay in the system, uh, why don't I feel okay? And uh, is that bad or wrong? Or isn't that also a good thing? You know, like, because then I can step out of that system and, and try to create my own path. And the more I thought about it, the more I felt like, yeah, that's you know, also accepting that. Yeah, that's me. You know, like I'm I'm not made to to go that way. I'm I'm made to maybe build my own path and walk on that. And that's just because of I thought a lot about it and not just accepted everything as as given like you have to go to school and uh, if you don't like it you still have to go to school you know like a lot of people are just doing this uh, and I was always saying no if I don't like it I don't do it or I change it and that's my two positions on that that's why I gained a lot of strengths and self-confidence just because of accepting me in my strengths but also in my weakness and uh, it's just good to know that.
1: Besides leading a successful creative studio and making his mark on the art world, Ike is teaching, lecturing and conducting workshops worldwide. Even his studio Hort seems to be a combination of a classroom and a playground. It appears that he must be doing something right when it comes to inspiring, encouraging and empowering young people, which when it comes down to it, should be the essence of education. I was interested in hearing his thoughts on the current state of educational systems and how he approaches his teaching.
0: For sure, it's a system that creates rebels and and the ones that just follow. And if you would like to change that, because I think the system, how we designed it in education is forcing young people to adapt to that system. We don't really give them the space and the time and the freedom and the support to develop their own personalities. So if we would really like to change that, I think we have to change our educational system and design a space or question, you know, like question the institutions, uh, question the way we educate, question, you know, the idea of what is success and what is not success, you know, all these things. And then we should design this new space where young kids can follow their own interests and also tell them that these interests are most valuable, you know, like these these are the things that where well, you feel a connection to and if you feel interested in something, then you might want to know something about it, you know, you're going to dig deeper and that you can share later with all of us and I think that has a bigger value than, you know, just train kids to have a foundation of knowledge of, I don't know, history and nowadays anyway, all this knowledge is online, and uh, it's not centralized anymore so teach your kids the tricks and also being critical about you know all the stuff they find and help them to understand how to work with these informations that are all there and give them a lot of trust that they're going to make it and then I think we would have a different society you know like people who are not just um I mean probably also there are a lot of people who are just happy with that you know like not having to think about yeah. and you know like okay I just let it go and, and someone will take care of that but what happens with those people who don't you know like so and and i think there's a lot of potential in this huge group of you know just followers i think if you would change a little bit from a follower there would be a lot more people moving into makers
1: yeah
0: i I think it's highly complex like how how the whole system is set up you know like at the end the whole idea of education was to help uh, the industry to you know to have the right people to work there in this industry so it was not about creating critical thinkers. It was more about creating workers. Uh, yeah. Yeah so that was the focus of it that is changing now a little bit and i'm very glad that i'm living in this time where i feel like oh you know you can hear a lot of critical things about digitalization and the uh, digital revolution but i think it's also a great chance to design our future in a better way
1: i think in one of your interviews you mentioned that one of your goals is to help those like young people to be braver and to be better like critical thinkers yes so how do you personally as a teacher try to like nurture that in people
0: i mean i have no <laughs> pedagogic system behind it you know like that i have like a a system how to how to teach that i mean also teaching is a has shifted to you know like i have knowledge and you don't have knowledge and i just give you the knowledge and then you can add it to your knowledge box or not i mean i also work with uh grown-ups you know they they are already creative minds and probably they are just younger but in the end there's no difference between them and me you know like i'm just probably have just a little bit more experience but at the same time they're way younger so they ask questions i would never ask so i can learn also a lot so that's a different situation because i gain a lot of knowledge from them so it's more like a partnership we are having and in a partnership you invest way more than if it's just a one-way relationship yeah it has an impact on both sides and that's that's quite interesting. So what I'm doing is just the opposite, not just the opposite, but it is somehow based on the experience I had when I was a student by myself. You know, there were professors and these professors were judging based on their own experience in design or experience in, in business. And they tried to tell you what was right and what was wrong. And I think that's the beginning of the end. You know, like there is no right and wrong. There is not one solution. There are a million solutions. So whenever you find a solution not good or not interesting, that does not mean that the solution will not work. So it's a lot about stepping back from your own person. Now, if someone designs something and you are not familiar with the aesthetics of this design, then people tend to judge on that and say that's not nice. But that only means that you probably are not in contact with that kind of design yet, or it's just not part of your bubble you're living in. So I'm I'm always trying to look under under this surface of the formal parts of a design and talk about the ideas. And, and that's something we can agree on. You know, like I can ask critical questions on the ideas these young people have, but these are only questions. I would like them to answer them by themselves. I will never give them an answer. And I think that's a big swift from 30 years ago to now. You know, like I'm, I'm just someone who's part of the process, who's. Um, another eye on their work that has a, a different question on, on the work and, and, and just helping them to, oh, now I have, I don't know, tens different perspectives on the same thing and, and now I can figure out which is something I could agree on and then I, I move to this part and, and research on that one. That's why I say it's way more complex, like how I how I build up my class, you know, it's like a group of diverse disciplines like there's not only graphic designers, I have painters, sculptors, photographers, some do music, some are illustrators, some are graphic designers. I think the diversity is the key. There are different ages. We still do diplomas. There are sometimes people from Third semester until the 12th, 13th semester, they take care of each other. So mm-hmm. that's also part of it. I would like to support them to, you know, like be. You know, I'm I'm just another person in this whole thing. I'm not I'm not the guru. You know, everyone is waiting for because most of the stuff the students are learning, they are learning from each other. That's the trick. And if you help them to create this social community, I mean, even if they become a competitor at one point, they should still help each other and you know like uh, see the work they're doing in an open source mode okay i share what i know you know without fearing yeah. that someone will take this knowledge and make something better out of it so that's what i also try to help to create an awareness of the of the that this is a value if you share something and not something risky you know like You don't have to protect you as a creative person. Now you have to open yourself. And then that's why I also do a lot of like social activities that these people also create things uh, where they will not get paid for something you do for other people. But in a way, it will come back. At one point, and maybe it's just a, it's also like an understanding or my understanding of living a life, uh, in a society, you know, where you respect people, where you have a social responsibility for people, also a responsibility for what you're doing. So it's a lot about, you know, thinking or reflecting on your activities what are you doing what how does it impact the group in which i'm part of and uh, maybe it's a i don't know a laboratory i'm running there a small one where i would like to prepare these young grown-ups at one point to be part of this i mean they are part of the society but also like yeah be great people in this society who take care of things and not just completely ignorant you know i like want to become the the most prominent person in the room or the most prominent designer in the world or you know it's not about that it's it's way more uh, the nuances are way more important and uh, that's my whole idea behind it and for sure they have to be critical about the ideas but they have to be if, if they are happy with what they are doing i mean i can't force them to be unhappy you know like it's, if that's the end result you know i i just can you know like set them under fire and and tell them you know, oh, just think about it. is it really enough what you have done that you know, like, Give them also examples of yourself like how you or show them how you work you know like oh no' I'm, I'm designing 10 or 20 variations of it you know like and then I print them out and I judge on all of them at the same time and you know like just give them also an idea of how your working process is you know they don't need to have that same process but just to oh there's a lot of work involved you know it's not just that I design something and then it's good no there's a lot of work involved and that is not just the part where you design actively something you know like it's not just the part where you sit on a computer and you open a program and then you put something on the right corner no it's it's also the thinking and the the reflection and I think Otto Eichert said that before thinking there's doing so you do something and then you think about what you have done you know and then you do something again based on that reflection but I'm not a born teacher you know I mean who is that you know so I I also have to be critical with myself you know sometimes feel like oh the semester went very well sometimes I feel like "Mm," you know sometimes I I mean anyway I can't get everyone you know like uh, sometimes some people uh, hate the way I do that you know like but that's normal I guess every year I also have to think about "Mm, how can I adapt this you know what have I learned last year did I fail for myself? How can I improve things? And in the end, it's not about my ego that I'm teaching. It's about them. And that should be, I mean, I shouldn't forget me. That's why I also said I'm doing it because I also get something back, but there should be the focus, you know, the the student should be the focus.
1: It seems like a lot of it comes down to giving people like space to, to do those things. Yeah. Versus always intervening
0: with yeah, what's yeah. going on. Yeah, that's that's the biggest problem because especially creativity needs time, and every person has its own rhythm. It's not like a car factory back in the days in Detroit where Ford tried to uh, organize uh, each part uh, of the working process in a specific time frame, you know, okay. like to make it yeah work able in a capitalistic idea. No, creativity is uh, an amazing source. And the problem is that we are all born creative and very brave. Also, all the things of that we learn in the in the very first beginning of our life. I mean, there's a, a lot of braveness involved. You know, the first steps and all these things and. And the whole playing is is so highly creative, like this is I, f- I feel like it's the engine of our life and by playing you you evolve, you grow, you learn, you explore and uh and this it seems to be an endless source of creativity that we lose when we start to get educated. Everyone is putting some earth on top of it, and then in the end you don't find the the connection to the roots anymore to it, and then later we try to make you creative again and that's <laughs> a little bit sad, but creativity is part of us. It's a lot about just finding or defining a space within this space, this creativity, this very personal creativity can recover. Also, because of the environment, suddenly you are surrounded by other people who are also interested in the same thing. So there's an environment that creates like a permanent discourse about ideas. And so it's a great uh, surrounding. And then hopefully, when they keep track and really fall in love is being creative and not getting too much frustrated when something is not working, then there might be a great personality in design coming out or in whatever music or, you know, it's not just related to design, it's whatever creative work you're doing.
1: Ike started Studio Hort in 1994, which means that currently it has been up and running for more than 24 years. As freelancers, artists and entrepreneurs, We experience challenges even on a day-to-day basis. It's only natural that throughout the years and decades, we're guaranteed to withstand all kinds of ups and downs. I've asked Ike to share some of the challenges he encountered on that more than two-decade-long journey.
0: First of all, I'm very glad that I created that because that platform or space is is still there and uh, looking back... You can see that the small idea of uh, starting my own workshop had so much potential that more than 80 people went through that, and I got connected to so many great minds and friendships and and all these things. And it was just because I had an I had an amazing job. I was art director of a record label, designing record sleeves. Um, I got good money. I was involved in this club culture of the city so I knew a lot of people you know like I arrived already you know like on this level of being accepted and known and I think I could have done it for longer but at the same time I was lucky that I had this you know like because before I was studying I was frustrated about the way my professors was uh, were working with me, I uh, couldn't see a future for myself. They told me that I'm a bad designer, you know, all the time, you know, you, you lose confidence in yourself when you hear that, you know, especially if they do that in public. I felt like, oh, my ideas are bad ideas, you know, no one is really interested in that. And if that's the only thing you have, then the future is quite depressive, you know, like it's, there was nothing I could hold fast to, you know, like, and, and then I did this internship in an agency, in an advertising agency, and I was like, oh my God, after two days, like, I can't do this job, you know, this is something I will not do for the rest of my life. And, uh, luckily I got out of it. Like I got fired because I, I just didn't show up anymore. And I was thinking about, okay, what can I do? You know, and that was a long time ago. Now, I mean, it's a different situation for designers, but at that time, most of the uh, students were ending in a in an advertising agency. So I was lucky because I designed for friends of mine who had a skate shop or who was organizing uh, techno parties. So I got into this design for stuff that I like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just by because they are friends of yeah. mine, and because of that I got this internship in the record label, and because of that I got my position as an art director, and because of that I quit my university, so that I didn't finish even, you know, like it was a it was a dream position for a lot of designers and I just got it by accident. I was at the right time, at the right place, uh, knew the right people and I was completely unsure about does anyone like what I I was doing, you know, like coming from the university, I felt like, "Ooh, but suddenly I was in a, involved in uh, in a context with a product music that I loved anyway and I was able to deliver designs people liked so suddenly i I gained confidence again you know like suddenly i figured out oh it's just also the people or the context or maybe the product suddenly i was like wow i feel accepted people were asking me do you think it's a it's a good design or not you know I, i was much more involved in the discourse of the design of the company i got international they had studios in 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 london and in new york i was doing the very first website 1993 i think something like that well, I remember the time when when someone in New York said, Yeah, that's a new thing, internet. And I was like, What is internet? And he said, That's the future. And I was like, How does the future work? And he said, Yeah, it's through this telephone cable. And then you have this computer. And I was like, Oh, that's the future. And he said, Yeah, digital. And I was like, Yeah, I look into the future right now. Uh, back to the future. That was so exciting, you know, like, and, and all the technology that came up. And then I just had this another band from a different uh, record company ask me if I can design this leaf. And then I just decided, okay, why not run my own studio and work in this field, like music business, and just do it as long as it works. You know, like, I mean, I, I never had an idea of the future. And I was never someone who thought about, oh, in five years, I would like to be this or in 10 years, I would like to, because in a very young age, I learned that life can change within a second And uh, I didn't put trust anymore in any future activities. And that's also the way I opened my studio was not about, okay, I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to be very successful. I'm going to be in five years. I'm going to be there in 10 years. I'm going to be in New York with the studio. And I just very naively wanted to have a cool time do whatever I want, work with whomever I want, you know, like all these things that seem to be so naive, but there's a chance to just do that. And that's why I started it. And then I had a lot of, I mean, because I was not prepared, I made a lot of experience by just doing things. And for sure, you also make a lot of negative experiences. First of all, you're very much bound to the economy And that's uh, a very wavy thing, you know, like it goes up and down and, uh, and if it's up, you feel like uh, a king. And if it's down, you f- you fear the future, you know, like the next day. And uh, I was often very close to not being able to pay myself anymore. But throughout the time, you also learn that, it- that economy comes in waves. And, and that after a night, there uh, is always a day. It's <laughs> 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 <That's> natural. <laughs> and it's the same in economy. And for sure, I made a lot of like, I did a job with a company in Los Angeles Uh, I I didn't know this company we just were emailing and uh, we designed an identity for the company and without a contract and then just trusting each other you know like oh they were so interested in us. Uh, you yeah. Know, okay. They must be nice people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then suddenly there was no contact anymore. After delivering everything, there was no contact anymore. And then not having the power or the the tools to sue them, you know, like to really get the money you we agreed on. And then that that hurt in the beginning. Um, you feel like oh someone misused you. The second uh, hard moment was when you when we saw that it got rolled out like it really got used so i remember that um at that time there was a magazine uh what was the name of the magazine An art magazine i forgot the name also from the west coast in the US, and they had a wonderful manifest like the artists could do whatever they want and they always invited artists to design or oh create something for the magazine. So after having some experience, negative experience back then, we thought about, okay, let's create the shit awards for all these people who uh, still own us money or we felt like they were lying to us or whatever. And uh, so we did from one to 10 shit awards. <laughs> and each of them got a, got its own design, you know, related to the job we were working on or <laughs> and scaling up from one to 10. And one of these clients was this company in Los Angeles. And then we sent the 10 spreads to the magazine. And then it was saying, oh, I'm really sorry, but they sponsor us, we can't do that. So we copied the, the manifest of the magazine and sent it back marking this part, you know, this important part. Um, that the artist is free to do whatever he wants, you know, like, and as I pointed on it and said, so you're, you're killing your own idea, you know, you're, you're killing your own idol, you know, like, that's not cool for, for you and also for, for us who support you by producing stuff and, yeah. you know, like the content we create and not you and, um, So they said, yeah, but you know, we still can have this nine and we we just leave this out. And I said, oh, you're getting worse now. (laughs) uh, Now I don't want to have anything anymore. And that happened for sure. You make your own experience and it's not easy to run a business to be an entrepreneur. I mean, there, there are always good times and bad times and projects where you can learn a lot because they didn't went right. Oh, well, but I still like that I went through all this, you know, like, I, I still feel like it, it was important to go through this. And just because now I'm here where I am and, and uh, it's all connected. And um, I mean, I'm happy because nowadays, for sure, I force less of these problems. You know, I, I'm, I'm way more aware of what can happen, you know, like if you accept a relationship with someone. So a little bit less naive, same time, a little bit less open, for sure. I mean, but um, also a little bit less stress. <laughs> 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 but but that's what you, you know, like, uh, learn. And no one can teach you. No one can give you an advice on that. You know, I, I mean, if I would follow advices from other people... If I would have followed one advice, I I wouldn't sitting here. I think if I would have followed another advice, um, I I would never have worked international. If I, you know, like there are always advices that might sound right, but mostly right for the person who advised it, yeah, because these people went through something, yeah, and based on that, they come up with this advice. <laughs> so I'm not a I'm not a fan of uh, advising people uh, like. Uh, because anyway you you have to go through the shit
1: <laughs> yeah 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 But I do find advice or like when people share their experience to be beneficial to like get the guts to like do things.
0: Yeah, but I mean, someone can take me as a role model if he wants to, you know. I don't want to be a role model, but someone can do that. And maybe uh, someone feels like, oh, I really like what Ike is saying and that's why I'm trying to do it too, you know, like, but I'm not responsible for that, you know, like there's not a proof of um, success. And it's also... It's so complex how things are, are running, in which direction things are going. And uh, when you start as a young designer, you know, there, there are a million of ways you could walk and it just can't change within a job or uh, someone you meet or there are so many unseen moments uh, you can't predict and you can't, you know, forecast and you can't yeah. say, oh, so chill out. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> you will not be safe by forecasting or trying to forecast everything. No, you will not be safe.
1: (laughs) Hey friends, you're listening to the Creative Voyage podcast. We are roughly in the middle of this episode, so it's time for a short break. There's no team behind this show. It's solely produced and edited by me, Mario. I don't have any sponsors and I have no plans to add any. Nevertheless, I can use all the help I can get growing the show. If you like what you've heard so far, there's three simple things you can do for me and future episodes. Number one, review the show on Apple Podcasts. Number two, tell a friend and share a link on social media. And number three, visit the shop on creative.voyage slash shop and support the show by buying bespoke Creative Voyage products. Thanks, everyone. Let's get back to the show. Ike is active in a creative industry, art world, and in education, which I think places him in a unique position of being able to provide relevant guidance to young individuals. So I was curious to hear if he had any advice for those who are just starting in the creative professions.
0: What I learned throughout the years was I can say no, and that a lot of young people don't see the power in no. They always want to agree on something. And uh, and I learned just that when clients come to you and they want something that might be interesting for you, but the parts of the business agreement are not right, let's say money, Also, I was struggling at that time, like, okay, I should probably, there's a great opportunity right here, not much money involved, but because they're telling you, okay, we are a very sexy brand, you put it in your portfolio, you get more jobs, you know, like this idea of that this will speak for itself and gain more business. Uh, so a lot of people accept the limitation of budget for your work, and I just learned that I have to say no at a certain point. Like when I feel like this is not enough, or I don't feel respected, or I don't feel that I can create a connection to the product, you know, I say no. And I I, I, I figured out that people who really would like to work with you, they they will come back, and that's a, also a great uh, filter. If for example, if people not agree on a contract before I will not work with them because I know now that there will be problems coming up throughout the working process. There needs to be a foundation of how to work together. They should agreed on both parties, how much you get paid and stuff like that. And before this is not settled, I will not work anymore. And I did that a lot in the beginning, like, okay, we'll figure it out later. And then suddenly you're the one who was pissed. And it's great to say no. also if it's a lot of money, but where you feel like, mm, but I would feel bad if I do that. You can also say no. And I also did, did that. So I think the power of no, uh, we should learn uh, to involve in our communication, yeah, and, uh, to also not accept everything and not agree on everything and not, you know, like that, because the business is like this, No. You decide how the business is, and that's something where I hope that the younger generations are way more active and and you know like maybe also helping creative business to gain some value again. You know, like because nowadays it's it's all about that's what you can do and that's what you get paid for, but there's much more involved, and in the end, it's also a political thing and. Uh, You have a lot of power, but also you have a lot of responsibility because you have to be the brave one, you have to be the, you know. So I think it's a great mix of possibilities that are involved in this job. You just have to take care of it. Be brave and say no is is something you should try. And not just once, you know, try it every time, you know. That's a good advice, I think. (laughs) Because I also had to learn it very hardly, you know, like, uh, but I also had my experience where it really worked so well on a super high level of business, you know, with CEOs and, and where I said, no, I don't think it's right. And they agreed on that. And I was like, you see, that, yeah, it's it's a lot about you, how you interact with people. And if you always agree... Yeah. people will take that as a chance to put you in a, in a corner. Yeah. Yeah. No, you will have to define what is right for you and what you're willing to do and yeah, what you would like to accept also.
1: By looking from the outside, it can seem that Eike has everything figured out. He's leading a highly regarded design studio for over two decades, traveling the world, giving talks, making exhibitions and teaching young people. I was curious to hear what are some of the challenges at this point in his life.
0: That's a very personal thing because um, for sure since some weeks uh, I know now that I become a father and uh, I set up my my own life very egocentric. Everything is designed in a way that helps me to make all these things, running a studio, doing my artistic work, um, teaching in a school, traveling around the world, waking up whenever I want, going to bed whenever, you know, like this uh, this is a perfect, an absolute perfect picture of of a life I I was looking for, yeah? And uh, I needed a long time to, not a long time, I was always doing it that way, but, you know, it feels now so so round I can um it's just great so so suddenly I mean I wanted to have a child but suddenly when you know it's gonna happen then a lot of things also happen <laughs> with the rest of your life you know so the whole system or Construction I designed for myself now will be pushed in in certain directions because of someone else that will join me in my life and, uh, and maybe the spotlight I, I I try to be in will yeah move to another spotlight or there will be a second spotlight and maybe this will even be the bigger spotlight I don't know yet so I'm completely because I, I like I said in the beginning I don't think about the future it, it's so hard to think about how it will be you know like i don't really know how it will be and what impact it will have and how i will be able to still be myself and because it's also important to, to follow my interest and to do all these things uh, And, uh, and suddenly when that happens, uh, totally different people start to talk to you, you know, people you usually don't talk to suddenly (laughs) give you advices, you know, and and you're (laughs) like, Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm 100% excited and it's like an adventure, you know, like you, you, you plan to do that and then you, and then suddenly it starts and then and I love adventures so so I li- I think I also like this strange power of different feelings you you have at the same time in your body and uh I think that's a uh... I can't sleep anymore so well you know it it really makes me shuffle and it moves me and that's I mean that's great you know like a lot of people are just sleeping even if they are standing somewhere uh, you know like not not physically but something is done you know and uh, so that's I think that will have an effect on I think I, I will have to make a decision on on certain parts of my life yet
1: According to the World Health Report from 2001, one in 4 people in the world will be affected by mental or neurological disorders at some point in their lives. Around 450 million people currently suffer from such conditions, placing mental disorders among the leading causes of ill health and disability worldwide. The report invites governments to make strategic decisions and choices to bring about positive change in the acceptance and treatment of mental disorders. And I believe part of it comes down to being more understanding and proactive as a society, starting on the individual level with every one of us. At one point during our conversation, Ike mentioned that he learned very early in life that nothing was certain. I was intrigued by that observation, so towards the end of our conversation, I've asked him about that remark. Exceptionally generously and honestly, Ike shared two personal stories from his history and how those played a crucial role in his life, including his experience with depression.
0: Like a told, like I, I was, I was a gymnast and, uh, I had this strong relationship to my trainer for a long time. Yeah. If you start doing this sport since three, then you do a lot of things together. And then, and then suddenly I think I was 15 or something, uh, he died by an accident. So the company he was working, there was an explosion and he was the only one who died in this explosion because it was on a Sunday. So no one was there, but he was responsible for the part of the factory. And, uh, so, so out of nothing, he, he was gone. There was no preparation. Like if someone is sick, then you understand, you know, like that, um, life might be ending at one point. And I, and I didn't really had any experience with, with death before, so that was the first experience I had. Usually, you have it with your, I don't know, with family, but with the older people in your family. So, if suddenly someone like a father-like person is is gone, there's an emptiness that is not fillable anymore with anything. So, and then suddenly we we had to deal with the situation that we had to get a new trainer, and you know, it but it became weird because this person. That you were so close to was dead, and then the the family and the parents of the kids of my team were looking for another trainer, you know, like and it w- was so weird because I couldn't really deal with the loss. Uh, there was no time. And that somehow triggered me to think about if I really want to do this. And then after a year, I, I stopped doing it. And I I went down the extreme road of uh, partying, uh, very excessive, uh, because I didn't do that for a long time. I do this professional, then you don't really drink and take drugs and stuff. So I was a bit late. So I thought I <laughs> <laughs> I speed up a little bit and... Uh, and um, out of this being very controlled and precise, and, and I chose a life uh, that was uncontrolled, chaotic, and not precise at all. And uh, I, I still can see the, the impact that this um, accident had on me as a uh, person. So, yeah, this can happen every day. I mean... And suddenly your whole life is changing. And I had a similar, not a similar, but I had also, like I had a, a mental breakdown when I was I think 30 or 29, I was very successful. I was in a relationship, I had an amazing life, style. <laughs> like I was earning good money, uh, I did what a lot of people dream to do, <laughs> and I was on holiday in Portugal. And suddenly, I got back from holiday, and I woke up, and everything was grey. And I first thought I'm sick, like physically sick. So I went to the doctors, and he said, "No, you have a depression." And I was like, "I can't have a depression. I'm a very funny guy, you know. Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of uh, humor, and I love to laugh." And you know, and he said, "No, no, you're deep into in, in a depression." question. At that time, you didn't say burnout. Nowadays, you would maybe name it burnout a little bit more. And I had to accept that I was now. I was looking when I look back. I was like, okay, for a year I was slowly drifting into this. You know, like uh, I was overworking all the time. I was living on a high speed jet set life. You know, like flying around the world, uh, meeting bands, being on concerts, um, having fancy parties. Uh, yeah, rock and roll somehow, and I I was slowly drifting, in, and suddenly there was this moment when there was there was enough, and I, I couldn't work for half a year anymore. And uh, I really had to work hard to get back to a personal environment, situation, feeling that I feel trust in myself, that I'm able to do things. And so that half year was. Uh, Quite intense focusing on me as a personality, where am I? maybe also like the, the traumatas and, and why am I like I am. And I worked with a therapist and uh, it wasn't so popular at that time to say that you work with a therapist, you know, like yeah. people were saying, I, I remember friends were saying to me, I would never work with a therapist. You can't handle it by yourself. Oh? And I was like, no, I can't handle it anymore. And I, I think it was the best thing that could happen to me. So I learned a lot about me. I learned a lot about my patterns. I learned a lot about why I do things, what triggers me and, and why I react like this. And I made like a small plan of how to, you know, get out of it and step by step. And I made it like in a half a year, I think. I don't remember exactly, but at the same time, I thought, okay, I have a problem with my own personality. Like I want to do everything by myself. This is, you know, when you all do sports, especially a sport like I did, it was a lot about me as a, as a athlete. So also in design, I wanted to do everything by myself on a high level. I was very critical with me and I learned that I was not able to do everything. So I had to open myself up, and that's why I started to work with people. So in the beginning, I was completely alone, and uh, and I said, okay, why not open heart this idea up for all the other people I might meet? And then I decided, okay, these sh- these people should be younger and better. So I was looking for people to work with, and the first one was Grafeme, a German illustrator, and then later. Martin Lawrence. So that's how I, you know, like got out of it. And the whole, what you see as hard now is because of that, because of all the people that from that point on went through that and I was able to learn from them. I was able to, you know, like they designed what it is right now. And it's not me. I was just the the person who created the space, this idea of how to work together. And then I had this (laughs) mental breakdown. And that's why what is what it is, because of all the people. And that's why I also have a totally different relationship to these people because they helped me in a heavy time of my life. These people, not personally, but you know, they were the bright day I was looking for. And they have been sharing so much knowledge and creativity and, and good and sad times with me. I have a, a very strong relationship to each of them. And that's also a different experience uh, a lot of people have when they go into industry. It's not about them. It's about what they can do. And for me, it was always about them and less about what they can do. And that came overnight. I just woke up and everything was grey.
1: The day before you were fine, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah we got back from
0: driving through Portugal with a car, with an old Beetle. And we got back at 12 in the night or at 2 in the night, we got back. And on the next day, everything was gray. My mind was gray. The world was grey. I was thinking about being dead, without fearing being dead. Out of really, I don't know if it's dopamine or anything, uh, something something else. Something just got out of balance in this night. You know, like it was just. It was all probably all uh, for a longer time. It was always on this edge yeah. but th- there was a drop and that just yeah, and just turned it around yeah, right. yeah.
1: and so during that period of six months besides working with the therapist and kind of like doing a lot of self-work with professional was there anything else which helped you like what were like some other things that you were doing to get better
0: no I, I i couldn't do anything that's the hardest thing not even sports or i mean i was lucky because i was in a relationship and she was able to step back from wanting too much from me you know like she said okay take your time take your space. I'm just there. So I had a lot of support from that side. But I remember that the first two months I was just sitting in my room and uh, not even turning the computer on, just be surrounded by this graphic design studio that is not producing anything you know like having all this uh, having all the tools but not producing anything and then because of the work with the therapist for sure you start to make little steps like I started to do sports and just to yeah get a physical reaction on your you know activities and and getting a feeling for your body again and and then yeah after a while after felt like hmm it's not that gray anymore. There's a there's a little bit of red and a little bit of blue. <laughs> um, and then I also started to slowly work, really not working on commission jobs, but because I, I, I knew that if I accept a commission job, then I would get into this pressure again, like delivering in time. And uh, so I started to do yeah some private stuff, and then I had fun doing it. And then yeah. based on that, you know, yeah. you start to, oh, come on, let's try it.
1: Just before I wrap my conversation with Iike with the last question, I've asked him if he had anything that he would like to add to our discussion. Here he reflects on a current state of contemporary digital culture, both on the exciting parts, but also the uncertainties.
0: Like I said, it's quite interesting to be alive right now, because um, I was born in the analog time. You know, I was educated analog like there's this connection between brain and hand and you do things by hand and they're good experience design experience then suddenly the computer came up it created new possibilities in design and now we are interacting with design every day in every situation But we don't teach that our kids yet. So I think that has to change somehow in education too, that we, I mean, we still teach art and music, but we don't teach design as a a highly important discipline. There's someone behind that who's doing that, and that there's an intention behind that and also the value of design so i think the older i get the more critical i'm getting probably that's also uh, something of age uh, i don't know because everyone is so happy about airbnb and so happy about spotify and so happy about all these new ideas that disrupt old industries and you know i can see the old industry dying everywhere and i totally agree that it has to die because they will not be able, because the DNA is not digital, they will not be able to make this shift to digital. But all these, the, the more I think about it, the more oh, I can hear these amazing ideas, the more critical I also think about it. For example, Tumblr or Spotify, amazing tools, but at the same time, their algorithms are creating a mainstream and Deleting the extremes, and the the extremes are most important for moving forward. I think most of the people who come up with these ideas don't don't think about the impact that this idea might have on society on a bigger scale. It really works perfectly for making money. <laughs> so the more I'm I'm welcoming all these ideas, the more I'm getting critical about this, and and I think that's because AI anyway is is here, and AI is. Taking care of a lot of things, and we still don't discuss it you know, like as a very important topic of our future social life. Like how much impact this will have. So this will be more and more also the I think the the topics of my educational part in the mm-hmm. university. I just started with this last year with this manifesto from 1963. First things first, mm-hmm. where designers uh, signed. And the whole idea of design at that time was to, as a, it was used as a tool to make a car marketing idea sell something. Yeah. And, and there must be something with more value included in that. And there is, for sure. And uh, we should focus on that. What value comes with this skill or talent to think creatively, you know, or to do things with your hand, like yeah. be creative be a creator what value is in includes that and, and maybe support that a little bit more and be less the tools for marketing ideas yeah. that was my and teach the kids to hack to learn hacking you know like to understand programming and then you know go into it and change it and uh, and also teach them what design means and what design can do and probably design will have a bigger impact on, on our society in a positive way
1: We've come to the last topic I've discussed with Eike. and as with our guests, I've asked him to highlight three pieces of advice based on what he experienced and learned so far on his journey. Here's Eike's parting answer.
0: You heard that so many times I, that's my that's the end of all my every talk yeah. I'm giving. Be brave, stay curious, and do something good while being on this planet. That's somehow the, the three things I would like people to invite to yeah, think about.
1: So you stand by that?
0: Yeah, I stand by that, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, perfect. Great. Thank you very much. Amazing. <laughs>
0: that was good. Yeah, thank you. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ike Koenig. I think we touched on a lot of useful information for anybody out there interested in design, education, and growing as creative professionals and people. I want to thank Ike for coming onto the show. He was so generous and honest, and I'm grateful for having a chance to meet him. Links to Ike's work, his Instagram, as well as to some other things mentioned during our conversation can be found in the show notes at creative.voyage/podcast. You can find at creative.voyage on Instagram and you can also email me directly on hello at creative.voyage. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and until next time my friends, take care.